Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Healing Podcast. My name is Yana, Yana Rose, and I am so grateful that you're taking this time, your valuable time, to share space with me and to hear my story and to hear my experience on uh, just navigating through life and healing, you know, healing the best that I can, the best of my ability. And so um, today I wanted to talk, first of all, can I just say thank you to everyone who listened to that last episode? Um, that was that was me being really, really, really vulnerable. And uh, I just really appreciate the support um, and just, you know, you willing to listen. Today is such a beautiful day. I mean, the sun isn't shining. It's Sunday where I'm at right now recording this. Um, and... There's a beautiful breeze, and I don't know if you can hear the, the, the birds, but they're always, always a wonderful treat to my ears. I, I love them so much, but um, I'm feeling really good today, and I wanted to talk more about um, family abuse, family pedophilia, and more so the after effects of this, because I feel like a lot of the time... Um, when something traumatic happens like a rape or abuse um we we focus on the victim but it's only during like you know the trial really you only really hear that and then once it's over once we feel like there's justice which justice would be the abuser going to prison you know serving their time we sort of we sort of end it there then it's then it's you know, um, now it's time to move on, you know, let's keep moving forward, which is true in a sense, but you cannot, I just, you cannot just move on when you've gone through very traumatic events. Like it just doesn't work like that where it's put one foot in front of the other. Sure. You can try, but then most likely we end up a lot of the times in situations where we are doing heavy drugs to numb ourselves, like we're just trying, we're chasing, we're chasing whatever it is that can numb us and take us away from the pain that will always exist there. The after effects of what happens to us. Now, when you're raped by a stranger, when you're abused by a stranger, it's a little bit more easier, I believe. And, and I don't want to like say this with certainty because this hasn't, this isn't my experience. But I feel like knowing what my experience is, um, I feel like had it been a stranger who had raped me, you know, who had molested me, who had abused me in all of these different ways, I feel like I would have more support for my family. You know, I would have had a different level of support for my family. And I think it would have been easier to sort of go with that mentality of, moving forward and letting go because I would never ever have to see that person again. I would never after, I would never ever have to, um, you know, worry about seeing that person. Now on other, I mean, I'm sure there are times like if we were in the same state and I just happened to bump into that person, there's that. But like 
on an everyday basis, I wouldn't have to worry about that. That is something that I could put outside of my head. Um, but, and of course you have other things like when you're, you have dreams about this person constantly, you know, you have dreams about the traumatic event happening to you that has happened to you. That's all PTSD. And I acknowledge that I just mean on a level of where you're not as triggered, um, as if it's like from a family member, which is in my case, I, um, so it's a little bit harder to move on when it's family. So, and it's also confusing, right? Because I feel like that word family and even the word love sort of puts like these rose colored glasses on you so that you're not able to truly see that that person is indeed an abuser as you would um, have a stranger. Like if it's a stranger, you know, you're going to be like, fuck that guy, fuck that woman, keep that person away from my, my uh, family member, my kid, my grandchild, my, we want nothing to do with them. They need to rot under the jail. And not to say that anybody, I'm not God. So it's not up to me to, to, um, to, uh, you know, decide how to punish a person or to decide, you know, how their life should be carried out after the actions that they have taken. I can acknowledge that. But um, it is a little bit confusing when it is a family member. In my case, it, it was my father. And so uh, I've talked about it on the last episode, how I have a lot of shame and the fact that like how my family on that side, who I was extremely close with, uh, sort of handled that situation where it felt like this, the abuser, the rapist, the pedophile was being coddled in a way, was having more support than the actual person, the victim, the, the survivor, um, who actually did nothing in this case. Like, it's very confusing, and sometimes um, the emotion that comes up is anger. Uh, but even more so, I feel like it's harder for me to move past because I have family members that are also a part of this experience. So I have... I have aunts and uncles and cousins and siblings from that side, from the abuser side, who are still somewhat connected to me through like social media, not anything like super, super close. Um, but also before the trial hit, I, I, my grandparents were my heroes. They were superheroes to me. They could do no wrong. They were absolutely wonderful. And so I feel like, in a way, too, I'm grieving, and actually the reputation of that family to me in a whole, they, you know, they reminded me of the Cosby, the Cosby, the Huxtables, you know, and, uh, and how ironic because Bill Cosby and all of his allegations, but <laughs> I just mean like the TV show where you have these black, you know, human beings who seem to have like a wonderful mentality. Or, or so I thought, and um, very strong and very uh, just different from the latter of, of what I have experienced, uh, sort of observing black Americans here in my experience. And so um, I had this view of them and then the trial happened and, you know, that their capes sort of disappeared. And I feel like I'm still grieving that, you know, all this time later. 
So I have that, and then I have on top of that, you know, the connection between aunts and and cousins and, and siblings who, in a way, I can't blame and, you know, for the actions of, of my dad, you know, but because they are still sort of coddling this man. And I know that like everybody has different experiences. I have sisters, I have brothers, I have, I have siblings I haven't even met and who haven't even cared to, to reach out for whatever reason, you know? Um, but I also have siblings who I grew up with, a sibling and my sister on my dad's side who I grew up with and who actually, you know, witnessed weird events and, and, uh, still chose even after this man, you know, was convicted to be around him, have her kids around him. And, and it, it was very confusing to me. And, um, I grew angry with that sort of mentality because why, you know, and now looking back on it, um, I try to have compassion and, and, and try to like put my feet in their shoes, you know, like, what would you do if you found out that your dad was a rapist? You know, it might be harder than, than I am making it seem, but, um, yeah, it's confusing nonetheless for me. And so there are many times where I don't, I I feel like I don't want to be bothered. Like I want to cut off the whole family because of the mistakes of one, my, my dad, and also because of their mentality behind, you know, like after hearing about the mistakes. So I've been trying to have grace. I have a really, really big heart. I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Again, I have that sacrificial mindset, which I'm breaking through of where I will sacrifice my feelings for others in pretty much every case. And so I give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm still in contact with my aunt through nothing more than like social media. I have a brother who I am, you know, pretty recently in contact with. And I have, you know, cousins who I am in contact with. And all of these people are still in contact with and and still praise the abuser, my abuser. And so it's confusing for me because we're sharing energy through social media and I might come across my abuser being praised by them in a way. Or like I recently found out through, you know, one of the pages that one of my siblings pages that like, you know, my, my dad had a little girl, a little daughter, three years or however old she looks, maybe like five. I don't know. And him, my brother, my abuser, and the little girl was like at a carnival of some sorts or, or like an amusement park. And I instantly just felt so triggered by that. First of all, scared for the little girl and instantly brought me back to myself. Second of all, almost betrayed, but I guess I can't really feel that. Although I'm entitled to my feelings, can I really feel that for a sibling who doesn't really know me, who only knows the abuser and only knows the narrative that the abuser has, has told, you know? So I struggle 
back and forth with this where it's like trying to have grace, but also trying to honor me and honor my, my boundaries and my feelings. But I wanted to talk about like, had it have been a stranger, had this story that I have told that, that, you know, my experience, had I had said that it was a stranger, I feel like I would have gotten support in a different way, you know, because it's not that it's not their family member. It's almost like because it's a family member, because of that word family, because of the word love, it's hard for a person to fathom how, how, you know, someone that they, someone that they love, someone that uh, is their family member can be a monster, can be selfish, can be hurtful, can be sick, can be a rapist, which is what he is, you know, which is what he is. And, um, and so it's confusing and there are so many, so many people out there like me who have gone through family pedophilia, a family rapist, and who have been silenced, who haven't been able to tell their story, who have to be silenced and, oh, don't say that about so-and-so because he's so-and-so, you know what I mean? Like, it's not anything that's new and it is something that we definitely need to look at. Because it's, it's, it's confusing, it's sad, and it's sick. It really is sick. Now, I also have to hold myself accountable, right? Because my mom, like, I can relate on some level. You know, like I said in the last episode, I have so much compassion for my grandmother. As a mother, because I am a mother, I have compassion. But I... And I also can relate in the way where my mom has abused me, who has given me black eyes, who has put me in the hospital, you know, thinking I had a freaking concussion, who has like hit me in the head with a whole batch of keys, you know, my brother holding me down while she did it. And um, who has like stolen my money and kicked me out as a teenager where you shouldn't have to worry about like where you're going to lay your head. You should be able to have a kid's you know, a childhood. Um, I have forgiven her and I still talk to her. I still, you know, we still have this like sort of relationship where we pretend like nothing has happened. I haven't confronted her in a way, even though during the trial, um, the back and forth between my lawyer and the defendants was, you know, oh, well, her mom, you know, used to abuse her and do this. It was basically like who abused, who abused me more, (laughs) which is crazy, right? But like, um, I still, I still, you know, I'm still around her. I still didn't, I didn't give the same energy that I gave to my dad. Now, had I had to choose what kind of abuse I should endure, of course, I'm going to choose the physical abuse over the sexual abuse, 100%. But at the same time, abuse is abuse, nonetheless, right? So, like, um, should the same treatment be applied? Um, I don't know. But what I do know is that, like, in my head, I'm thinking that's my mom. You know, like, she was there for me. She believed me when I told her this. And she helped me through this whole trial thing. And, you know, it's the family card. It's like the rose-colored glasses where you can't really see fully as well as you would be able to see a stranger because my ex-husband has done the same thing 
where he's done all of the things both my mom and my my uh, dad has done and um that is somebody that I never ever want to be around ever again and we actually have you know two kids together I have a 15 year old and I have a 10 year old and uh but still even through that like that is just somebody that I do not care to have like any ties with at all any ties like none whatsoever like I have no nothing in my heart for this person do I wish he you know do I wish him you know the worst or you know you know the worst of the worst no I don't wish that on anybody but I also don't care for that person and and I guess you would say in the beginning what I thought was love, which I now realize is not love because I think I've only ever been in love once. And that was in my second relationship here. Um, but because of this ideal of what I thought love was, because of my worldview, because of who my father and my mother, um, making me think that, you know, it's normal for a person to abuse a person. You know, I thought that I had loved that man at one point. And so I think I gave him a benefit of the doubt for way too long until, you know, until I didn't. And so there's that too. So I am no different than, you know, those family members. I think I, but at the same time, I'm entitled to my feelings. I'm entitled to honor and to acknowledge the hurt girl who had to endure all of the all of that trauma and the pain and the the sick disgusting shit that she was put through like I am valid in my feelings I'm valid in my feelings and so I kind of go back and forth because it's like man if if I chose because a lot of people try to say like oh you choose your parents and you choose you know you choose your life and um I think a lot of the times I would say, heck no, I didn't choose this. Like, why would I want to choose that? You know, why would I want to choose going through this? And I looked at everything from a negative point of view. Um, but if I zoom all the way out, I feel like, I feel like that I was the sacrifice. Like if I had to choose, um, I would 100% as consciousness choose to be the sacrifice to break this like generational trauma or curse that is going through both bloodlines not only my uh my mom because with my mom my mom was raped um and and abused uh my grandma was uh abused you know it's like it seems like it was just repeating its cycle and if it meant for me to sacrifice to come down here as a consciousness, choose this bloodline and sacrifice myself in order to, and so that my, you know, once my daughter was here, she wouldn't have to go through it. I 100% would do that. And I'm 100% honored to do that. And so I'm starting to see things a little bit differently. You know, like, I'm not saying that, like, I'm happy that everything went, that everything has happened to me, because I'm not, you know, like, I wonder how I would, would have been had you know I had a a good childhood like had I had a chance a fighting chance um I wonder how I would have been I think I would have been good but 
because like I had no choice in that. Um, I, I'm happy that I turned out the way that I've turned out. I'm happy that I have broken that chain so that no one after me in this bloodline will need to go through that. Same thing on my dad's side. Like I lost so many family members who I loved so much, a little bit of stability in some sorts, you know? Um, but I also sacrificed. I came down here as consciousness to break the illusion, which is that they're the Huxtables, that their reputation is the great. And this man is the most wonderful man, you know, with his degrees and the way that he carries himself and like how the rest of the world's viewed this man before this has happened. Um, I was able to break that. I was able to shed light on the darkness in, in that bloodline because that had to come from somewhere, right? His actions had to come from somewhere in order for him to think that it would, it was okay for, for him to do that to his daughter. Um, and so I would gladly be the sacrificial lamb if it means that like I chose my, you know, my, my family in that case. Now, the after effects, because again, I think that so many times, so many times we, we kind of forget about a person after the trial. You know, we think, oh, justice has been served, but has it? You know, because I think about in the ways that like the, the things that have happened to me sort of, sort of um, carried on throughout my life. Now, I'm happy that I'm aware enough to change the world views that I have now and I'm and I'm a little bummed that it's taken me this long but I am happy um about it but like I have been thinking about the ways that this the after effects of you know what a person does like but I don't think anybody really thinks about or maybe people do, but just from my, I haven't experienced um, people really, really thinking about the after effects of someone's, you know, choices when they decide to do like these, the abuse or these traumatic experiences unto another. Not only do you have to deal with like being brave enough to, to speak your truth to speak up, you know, in hopes that like you'll be saved or, you know, it, the abuse will stop. But even after justice has been served through the courts or whatever, you still have the aftermath, the after effects of what has happened to you in your daily life. And I think about in all the ways, I think in one way it is in the way that I chose a mate. Um, through, you know, my ex-husband. I chose exactly what I went through. And another way I think it's in like the standards that you you hold for yourself because you don't really have many standards because you don't you didn't have like a you didn't have a standard to begin with, you know? You didn't your 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 parents you know, taught you that the standard was abuse. So anything even it could just be a little bit above abuse. 
a person can just call you a bitch every single day and never hit you. And you might think, you know what? This guy is amazing when it's not the truth. And so it's creating your own blueprint with standards, you know, like what you deserve and like knowing what the normal is and not what you came from. You cannot use that model, um, you know, moving forward. Another, another way is in like, um, I've always had issues with my moon cycle. I, and if you don't know what a moon cycle is, it is, you know, a woman's monthly menstrual cycle. I've always felt very weird about it. And like, I had this hate relationship with it, knowing that it's natural, but like I hated it. And I just came to the realization, really sitting with everything and getting to the root of everything. It's because I was introduced to, you know, my puberty and becoming a woman through molestation from my father. And so when I got my period, the only thing that ran in my mind as a kid was, oh my God, not only do I feel disgusted by like being used by this man, not only do I feel disgusted by like growing and, you know, developing breasts and, and going through my many changes because this man is jacking off to my nude body, but it's in the fact that I felt disgusted. I felt disgusted in, in knowing that I could possibly get pregnant by my father. And who would ever want that? Not me. And so, like, I've always had this, like, hate for my period. I couldn't stop the sexual abuse, right? And so all I could do was hate the fact that now I have a period that could possibly mean that I could get pregnant. And that has stayed with me all the way until now, which is crazy, right? Um, but we're working through that because I got to the root of the problem and uh, um, I'm going to get better with that. Another thing is, and the fact that it's really hard for me to connect to others. Connections are are harder. They come harder because um, of my worldview, because um, the people closest to me have hurt me and have disappointed me and have lied and, you know, disgusted me. And so you think through your experience, this is how the rest of the world is. And so I find myself, you know, um, just going inward, trying to be alone and to find it, find it harder to connect with others. Um, it's tough. It's really, really tough. And then you have all of the PTSD stuff that comes along with it. The nightmares, the, the always having, like, even sometimes you don't want to think about what has happened to you, but it'll come up. The being triggered by different things, it'll come up. You know, you have to deal with all of that. And I believe you have to deal with that for the rest of your life. You have to actively, consciously work hard to to, you know, be the best person or the best version of yourself, knowing that that abuse, those traumatic events will always be there, right? It's just you conquering it. And, um, and 
I think a lot of the anger with him being coddled and everybody like, oh, hey, he's the happy Father's Day. Like, I felt so triggered when I saw a post from one of these family members who who claims to like, oh, you know, they they reach out to me and want to have a relationship to me, but then they did this whole happy Father's Day post to this man. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. Happy Father's Day, you know, but maybe from her experience, because it didn't happen to her, that is what she felt. Um, but it was extremely triggering. And, and I don't like for people to have control. Um, I think in another way that it has affected me is, is sexually. Like, sure, there are times where I have had, you know, beautiful sexual experiences, but because I need some sort of control, because I didn't have control during those times in my life, um, it's harder for me to let go and just, you know, surrender my body to another. Um, and, and I just, all of these after effects, they take work and they take time every single day to actively choose not to let it get to you, to choose to like do the work and to use your tools to, you know, conquer those things that are in you because of the choices of someone else. So it's confusing because like, I don't want to, I don't want to blame or I don't want to like, uh, have any of those family members, you know, have them deal with the consequences of another. But at the same time, it's like, how am I honoring myself? Like, I, do I cut them all off, you know, and just never ever speak to them ever again and never deal with them on social media or anything? Or do I give them the benefit of the doubt in hopes that like, they will eventually see me and see what has happened to me? Um, a lot of the times nobody has even, even asked Nobody has even asked, like, what has happened to me? What, what, you know, what's your side of the story? It's almost like they kind of don't want to know because it's a family member. And I just think it's odd how humans work in that way, where if the abuser is a family member or the abuser is someone that you love, you... You give them the benefit of the doubt. You allow them more leeway in, in doing, you know, the actions, you know, in doing the actions that they've done. Their consequences aren't as quick as, you know, their consequences aren't given out as quick as like a person who you don't quite know or a stranger. And I think it's kind of messed up. I think it's really messed up. And it's something that I'm still trying to navigate through because, uh, yeah, it sucks. You know, it's, it does suck. And, and I'm trying to have grace for those people, but I also want to have grace for myself, you know, because at the end of the day, I did absolutely nothing wrong. I did absolutely nothing wrong, but tell the truth, shed light, shine light on some, some darkness within, you know, cause there's no telling who else that could have happened to. And yeah, I did absolutely nothing wrong. So yeah, it's, it's confusing. It's confusing in how the human brain works, not only for the survivor, but also for the family of the abuser, you know, like it's almost, you almost don't see that person as much as a monster as you would 
you know, a stranger. And uh, I would challenge that for anybody. I would definitely challenge that for anybody. You know, and if a person abuses someone, they're an abuser, point blank, period. Doesn't matter what title they hold. It doesn't matter what their name is. It doesn't matter how much you love them. They're an abuser and they should be held as an abuser. Um, or at least I believe, but who am I? I'm not God, so I can't determine anybody's life and, and how they should be treated or not. So, yeah, I would just really challenge anyone to think of all of the survivors out here beyond trial and conviction and uh, the after effects that they deal with every single day. I want to really give love to those out there who um, didn't even get to tell their story, who didn't even get to like use their voice, who have been silenced, who didn't have like proper justice at all. And they just sort of had to be around, um, you know, their abusers. I had one person, I I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna bring it up, but yeah, I, I just wanna, I wanna give love and light to, to the survivors out there because it's not easy. It's not easy. And you do not have to move on in the way that all, like in the way that society is telling you to move on in the way that other people's opinions are telling you to move on. Maybe moving on is telling your story, dissecting it and, you know, coming up with ways and tools on how to battle that mental cage, mental prison that has been put on your mind from, you know, what you've endured. Maybe, maybe that's moving on because that's what moving on is for me. Like this stage of my life is about honoring my voice. It's about telling my story, no matter how anybody feels, because I'm telling the truth, no matter what. And it's about honoring that nine-year-old girl, that nine-year-old girl who did not have any boobs, who did not go through puberty, who did not have a, a chance to live like a kid, didn't have a kid's life at all. It's about honoring that girl. Nine to 13 years old. And this is exactly how I'm going to do it. So I'm sorry if I was all over the place. Um, but again, we know that I just, I just, I just go for my heart. I just say what's on my heart. Um, there's no outline and there's no editing. So, um, thank you all for holding space for me. Thank you all for listening. I really, really, really appreciate it sending so much love and grace and and um space to everyone